This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A skip arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta's time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. I want to thank Matthew for playing the short version of the intro tonight. Uh, appreciate that one. We are giving away a couple of jerseys, three to be exact, Bijan Robinson, Jordan Addison, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, all of them signed. And we'll give you some more information about how you could win one of those jerseys later on. But we've got a guest on today, uh, a mortal enemy of mine, Michael Nelly Nelson from the Debbie Marketplace. And you can join the Discord, uh, the Debbie Marketplace Discord. It's absolutely free for you to join. And Nelly ticks on Twitter. Um, Nelly, I want to talk about this Alabama-Tennessee game and some of the implications and storylines from the, from this game, beginning with Hendon Hooker. Beginning with Hendon Hooker, uh, his draft buzz had been on the rise before this Alabama game, the narrative and the draft Knicks are really talking about him now. Do you see Hendon Hooker as a franchise quarterback, regardless of whether he's drafted in the first, second round, whenever? Do you see Hendon Hooker, despite his age, all of this stuff? Do you see him potentially being a franchise quarterback? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on the show, first of all. Um, To answer your question, I mean, I think – this might be cheating, but I think he gets the shot to be right. Like, I don't know if he's going to be a successful one, but at this point, based on kind of what he's, what he's done in college, especially this year at Tennessee beating Alabama, he likely goes in the first, second round. And when quarterbacks go in the first or second round, right, they get a shot to start, especially those first round quarterbacks, they get a year, they get 
first round quarterbacks get like three years, generally speaking. If he's a second round guy, I would assume he gets a, a shot at some point. Um, as to whether he's going to be a, like a successful franchise quarterback, like that's anyone's guess. Like if you asked me about Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or any of the 2021 quarterbacks, I would have said yes. I'm sure you guys would have too. And, and, same with uh, Josh Allen years ago. Everyone would have said no based on what he put out there. So that evaluation of the success is difficult, but I think he's going to get the shot too, and I think that's what matters when it comes to evaluating Debbie prospects and, and rookies. A lot of talk I that he's if- kind of Jalen Hurts round two. I transfer quarterback, you know, for whatever reason, left the first spot in an offense that is beneficial official to him i mean uh hertz was at with uh lincoln riley there at uh at oklahoma uh hooker here with hypel uh oklahoma background um do you find that sort of comparison you know moderately apt yeah i think so because i think those questions the the transfer brings question marks but similar to jalen hertz he's put uh, elite level efficiency um partially benefited by scheme as you mentioned um they're mobile um, second round right in that area seems about about what I would expect at this point from Hendon Hooker because of his age. Um, but I, I do think something worth mentioning with Hooker is even though he transferred from Virginia Tech, he was actually extremely efficient there too when he had the chance to, sh- uh, to start, which I feel like doesn't get mentioned. He had over 10 yards, 10 adjusted yards per attempt there, which he's continued to do at Tennessee. So he's been efficient in multiple schemes now. Um, and I think, I think that's worth mentioning because obviously this Tennessee scheme is, is quarterback friendly, um, but he did it elsewhere as well. Mox, you've talked a little bit about your skepticism with regard to Hooker because of the offense that he plays in or that he's succeeding in. Can you speak to that a little bit, this this Josh Heupel offense, how they spread the field and how that's not necessarily comparable to what he would be asked to do at the NFL level? Yeah, the the so I've we we've talked about the Baylor offense, which is the Baylor offense under our priles in the uh basically the 2010s, which is an offense that um has never shown itself in the NFL level. So a lot of the times when you see the NFL uh, adapt from a college scheme, they choose or dictate the ones that they think can translate. This has not been one that that's proven to be successful. And, um, you know, Heupel's been a couple different places using the scheme. So he was at UCF doing so, but he was also at Missouri and Drew Locke was a player who operated in the scheme as well. I didn't think Drew Locke would be an NFL uh, ready player based on his scheme. He had the skill set similar to, I think, what Hendon Hooker has. But again, this is a scheme that um, because of the way that it's basically a cheat code in college. Like, I don't know how else to explain it besides, besides that. Like, teams struggle to defend it because of the way that the uh, collegiate rules are set up with um, spreading the, the field as wide, basically as wide as you can stacking players and you have these safeties who struggle with, with that concept. We saw that a bunch actually in the Alabama game uh, as well. So the hypo offense, which is just the Baylor offense tweaked a little bit is it, it struck that concerns me. So I know Nelly is someone who uh, like is really into quarterback rushing market share and, and, and the way that that translates to the NFL too. Um, 
so that is pretty interesting to me because I I buy some I buy that a, a, as a translatable skill and, and whatnot. But I also I I just wonder if he's closer to like last season. Grayson McCall posted the best ever QBR in a single season at the college level. Is he closer to Grayson McCall from a um, offense adaptability to the NFL standpoint, or is he closer to? CJ Stroud, which I think that offense has questions about what how can it adapt to the NFL too, which Matt has relayed. That is where I'm at with him. I'm just like, how much work does he have to do to get to a system where he can be a a true processor? Because this is a one read offense as well. I want to ask I everybody. I just don't know. I want to ask everybody, Hendon Hooker or Will Levis, before we do that, Chris, I wanted to speak to something that you were saying. So in college, the hash marks are a little bit wider than the NFL. That creates yes. more space on the field side of the field, the, the the long side as opposed to the short side, which is the boundary. The way that that the, that the Tennessee offense plays is they line their wide receiver up essentially on the sideline or right next to the sideline. And so that is a lot of space. You saw um, Jalen Hyatt running past safeties. They can't, they can't guard. It's tough to guard all that space, especially if you're a safety and you're not used to guarding someone in man. So um, in the NFL, there isn't that much space on the field side because the hash marks are closer together. Just think about when you watch a field goal in college, it's on one of the hashes and it's really close. I mean, they got to kick that ball really at an angle and kickers in the NFL, they don't really ever have to do that. Those, those hashes are always kind of like right in the middle of the field. So it's more evenly spaced. So that's, that's the space that is, is um, created in college that exists. That doesn't exist in the NFL. Nelly, um, and I'm going to provide my answer first since I'm talking already. I don't think that Will Levis has a trump card trait, something that he can hate, hang his hat on. What, what, and Matthew, you're here too. So you got to jump in here before you, we get you bored or you fall asleep. Um, but I mean, I've been trying to talk for like the past 10 minutes. No, you you inter- no, you look haven't. at the chat, bro. I've literally posted. Oh, my bad. Okay. No, that's cool. Yeah. Finish, finish your thought. I'll but, just sit here until you're done. Well, <laughs> but Hendon Hooker has one thing that he does really, really well, and that's throw the deep ball. So, you know, could this be an Andy Dalton level player drafted in the second round? If he has like an excellent supporting cast, he could be fantasy relevant. I think so. I would take him over Will Levis all day. I would take him over Will Levis all day. Matthew? You ask Nelly, and then you throw it to me. Go ahead, Nelly. Well, look, you got all butthurt about (laughs) jumping in here, so. Because I had a follow-up question that revolved around what was already being discussed with Will Levis, actually, and it worked well into the conversation we were already having, but now that's kind of done with. So go ahead, Nelly. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a tough one because if, like, Will Levis went 10th overall and Hendon Hooker went 11th overall, I'd take Hendon Hooker because I think he has a higher rushing upside. He's been more efficient as a passer. Um but I, I, I've started to kind of default to the NFL evaluations on quarterbacks. And if Will Levis is a top five pick and Hendon Hooker goes in the second round, and that's what it seems like it's going to be right now, Hendon Hooker's a little bit more up in the air as he's kind of newly in the spotlight, I would say. Um, I, I would take Levis right now in uh, like a Debbie league. Matthew, are you out of your feelings now? I'm always out of my feelings. I don't let emotion run me like you, sir. Uh, I would take Hendon Hooker. Um, I think we're unfairly knocking him for the Baylor system. That's all he's been asked to run, and he's run that fairly efficiently. 
So we're knocking him for running the system that he's asked to run, and he does it well. It's not like he's out there running that system poorly. And then we're like, well, he can't even run this very easy college offense. Now, I do get some of the things that Mox mentioned in like how easy is it then for him to go into the NFL and learn a more pro-style offense where you have a guy like Bryce Young who's already doing that, right? My thing with Hendon is I feel like regardless of his upside, which I do think is limited, I do think he can go to the NFL and succeed because I think he's a decent enough passer. And as many people have already mentioned, he can make plays with his legs. My fear with Levis is I feel like he is a much more of a project than Hendon Hooker is. And when I look at Will Levis going into the first round, everybody talks about, oh, well, if he goes to day ball or if he goes to this other offense that can develop quarterbacks, we've seen these quarterbacks go to these places and still not get developed. Or at least I see Hendon Hooker has some talent and skill. I think if he goes into an NFL offense, maybe he doesn't run it to the abilities of a Bryce Young because we've already seen him do that at the college level. But I still believe in his talent and his ability to pass the ball already because in my opinion, he is a better passer than Will Levis. He may not have the arm, but I feel like he is more accurate than Will Levis. He's got the mobility that while Will Levis is dealing with the, the turf toe issue this year, Hendon Hooker has showed us over the past couple years he is more mobile than Will Levis. So I think he's got a better skill set that I'd be willing to bet on going into the NFL, regardless of where, if he's drafted in the first round. Now, if he's drafted in the second round, I'm not going to take him. I'll, I'll let him fall. But even if it, like, Nelly, I know you just said, like, if, if Will Levis is drafted top five and Hooker goes whatever after past 10, I still think I'd rather take the shot on Hendon Hooker because I think there's something more there I'd be willing to bet on than just betting on Will Levis's tools and hoping that he's able to figure it out. Uh, Bryce what? Petty. The former Jets quarterback and Art Bryles, Art Bryles QB. Go ahead, Mox. You know what? I got I got a couple things to say actually. To both Matt and Nelly, how much did the Alabama game influence your opinion of Hennon Hooker? Who do you that he did it against that type of defense? Uh, for me, nothing. Uh, because it just goes yeah. back to the 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 Anthony Richardson discussion we've been having all season. Like, I don't let one game influence me. I've talked about, like, I could see yes, yes, this. Yes, hey, only, Q, only Quinn Ewers. I take that back. Only signature Quinn, sample, <laughs> signature <laughs> sample size on Quinn Ewers. Um, for, for Hendon Hooker, he's a guy who's been mentioned in that conversation, right? And we've talked about this, whether it's just the fantasy community, draft community, whatever it is, they're thirsty to boost a quarterback up into that, into that third spot. And Will Levis, in my opinion, has done nothing to show us that he's taken that spot. So for right now, I think it is going to be hooker that could definitely change, but that game against Alabama didn't, I thought that Bryce Young was by far the better player. Like I hear people talking about how great Hendon hooker was in that game. Bryce Young, like outshined him by a thousand in that game, but I did feel like he played well, but it didn't affect my decision. I, I think he's a, he's to me, I comped him to like, he's a Desmond Ritter Malik Wills. He's Hendon Hooker, still a project quarterback. He's a guy I would personally take in the third round. Like they took Ritter and Willis last year and see if he can develop into something. Hendon Hooker is a project quarterback or Will Levis? Both. I think Hendon Hooker yeah. is safer than Will Levis. Like I still think like Nelly said, I could see Hendon Hooker going in and being like a backup quarterback or maybe Moxley said it. One of them said it could be a backup quarterback and like be in the NFL for a long time, right? Will Levis, I don't know that that's there for him. I think he's got a lot to develop on. I, I just – Austin Austin has a saying about quarterback. I can't remember the words you used, Austin, but like a quarterback who makes a, a particular mistake in a game and you're like, no, no, that like you do that and it's you are not uh, a player that I'm going to be investing in. And how often does Will Levis make that play? 
that I, no, just no. And it, but once but a quarter, once yeah, exactly. Brandon Hooker does. <laughs> I mean, so I would. I, I mean, seriously. The, the here's the thing with Will Levis that I have, and you know what? I'm a Will Levis hater, true hater. Rate. I'm sipping the hater rate. Don't like Will Levis at all. I got a tattoo bound Will Levis that I'm going to lose. Um, I think I would take him overhead and Hooker. I just would. I just think the NFL is going to value him more. I so I I actually went back and watched the Alabama Tennessee game, and here are Hen and Hooker's touchdowns as I have noted them. Here here's my notes app. We tell you how they were scored. Demarco Hellams, who is a box safety who should not be in coverage in any capacity, stay should have stayed on him. Did not trusted the other safety miscommunication. Hyatt scores second touchdown behind the line. Uh, off a of motion, high took a 12 yards. He didn't even get positive eight out on the play. Third TD, Helm's back at it again. Beats the break. Uh, he beats him on a break outside. High just burns him again, eight to 10 yards of separation. Helm's, DeMarco Helm's is not a cover safety. He is a box safety. Uh, fourth touchdown, again, stacking wide receivers. Malachi Moore gets burned. Not even close. All Hedden Hooker has to do is just get it a little bit accurate. Fifth throw, actually good. There were more missed throws, in my opinion, in this game than there were like actually good touchdown passes. I didn't think Hennon Hooker actually had a very good game. I think Alabama secondary fumbled the bag. And I have seen that from Hennon Hooker, inconsistency all season. And I don't even like what Levis, but I don't think that the scouting industrial complex is nearly as high on Hooker as they are at Levis. I actually think they're pretty low on Hennon Hooker. Based on some conversations that I've had with people kind of in the know, People are not very big fans of him. Uh, they they really let us know what you think in the comments here on Will Levis or Hendon Hooker or tweet yeah, at roast us. Yeah, roast me. I don't care. Um, Austin, I, I think you've weighed in here. Hooker or Levis? I've been very low on Levis um, pretty much for forever. Um, I'm interested to see draft capital-wise what's he – like. so if I had to spend like the – the fifth or sixth pick on Will Levis in a rookie draft next year, or I could spend the, I don't know, the 14th on hooker. If he goes in the second, I think I would like, that's where the cost comes into play. I think at that point I would rather have hooker and hooker has always been cheaper than Levis. So, and I've had hooker rated higher. Um, So I would rather have hooker, but if you just put a gun to my head and said like, which guy, would I take if I had to spend the same draft pick on them? Then I would probably just say Levis, just because again, right now I think Levis goes earlier than Hooker. But I, I don't think I would have to spend the same pick, and I just I don't think, you, think. I think you would. I mean, if we're having a C two C draft right now, how far apart do you think that they go? Because mm-hmm. I don't think it's very far. I agree with that. I mean, it, it, I think I don't even know. I'm not even confident that Levis goes first. That the issue with that conversation, though, is because of the offense that Hooker plays in in Tennessee. We're not necessarily talking about that from a C2C side of things, though, right? He's talking rookie draft. Rookie draft, I still think you're taking Will Levis much earlier than Hendon Hooker. If he gets the draft capital, we're all assuming he does. And even, I still think even if Hooker gets drafted in the first round, Will Levis will still be a top five pick in rookie drafts because they'll see it and they'll say he was a top five pick. Whatever, even if he goes top 10, they're like, oh, a top 10 pick. Clearly, the NFL values him. He's going to go super high. We learned our mistake on that when we let Justin Herbert and, I mean, say what you want, Mac Jones fall in these rookie drafts. People have now started to move. They take him high. So if Will Levis goes top 10 and say Hooker goes 27, 
Will Levis will be a top five rookie draft pick. I, I think Hooker would probably fall to, I don't think he'd fall to 14, but I think he'd fall to like seven, eight or nine. Fair enough. Bijan Robinson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison. Signed jerseys, all three. Matt has them. You can take a look at the full video on YouTube if you want to, but here's how you can get your hands on one of those jerseys. You can have as many as three entries into the drawing to win all three. You can make an initial deposit of $20 or more on prize picks using promo code C2C. You can get entered to win. You can also call our Better Sports Show on Saturdays, uh, any of the next three weeks between now and November 12th, and call into the show. You can uh, get entered to win that way. And the third way is leave a rate and review uh, on the Apple Podcast for Campus to Camp. Do any of those three things, and once you've done all three, shoot either an email or a DM on Twitter to Campus to Canton, Campus to Canton at gmail.com or Campus to Canton at Campus to Canton on Twitter. Shoot confirmation that you've done all three, and you will be entered to win. And if you do not win the first jersey, these jerseys will give it be, will be given away next week right here on Debbie Debate on uh, October 26th on uh, Saturday November 5th on the tailgate on the Campus to Canton YouTube page. And then on Saturday, November 12th on the Better Sports Show. So you have you have some time to get all three of these things done if you want to have if you want to three times um, your ability to get one of these jerseys again. Bijan Robinson, who's going to be the 101 in 2023 rookie drafts, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan Addison, all of whom are probably going to be top seven-ish draft picks. You need to do it, go ahead and do what Matt did. Actually, Matt's uh, jerseys are not put together as well as my Zach Wilson jersey, which I don't really display prominently anymore. Um, but I will to show you how it's why. how it's to see how it's really done here. Um, Austin, this has been a topic of conversation after that game. Is what happens after Hendon Hooker leaves? You got Taven Jackson there, the fr- the freshman. You've got Joe Milton there, the uh, Michigan to Tennessee transfer. And for the life of me, I cannot get Joe Milton's performance at the end of that old Miss game last year, where he just like ran out of bounds with no time left on the clock when they were in the or close right outside of the red zone like what and then when they brought him in in the in the Alabama game to throw the hell mirror I was like what are you doing I would never put this dude on the field some seem to think that Joe Milton is being groomed for this position uh after Hendon Hooker leaves but then there's Nico Iamalieva the alleged eight million dollar man that's never been confirmed how do you see this position shaking out? And I think that it matters, especially in C2C, because that quarterback is going to score a lot of points. It's actually really funny because Nelly and I were talking about this a couple, along with a couple other guys this week too. So it's funny that this discussion has been coming up. Um, I have a really hard time believing it's going to be Joe Milton for maybe anything more than a game or two. The staff has tried to get him in games multiple times, and they've repeatedly said, like, he looks really good in practice, and then they unleash him in games, and he just looks awful. Like, it looks like they got me out of the stands, and they just, like, smacked me on the butt and put a helmet on my head and said, go get him, Tiger. Like, I would run out of bounds. I, like, I, it's just, it's baffling. I can't imagine that Tennessee, who is undefeated this year, a top-four team in the country, is building up a lot of you know the program as we speak you know they're they're they're, they're going to start stacking recruiting classes i'm sure josh heupel is going to be due for a raise here i'm sure they're going to be much featured much more prominently in national media 
they can't afford to have a wild card like Joe Milton really out there. I think you have to go a different direction. That direction either has to be a portal QB that has one year left, and we don't know what that pool of players is going to look like yet. Be interested to see if like a Tyler Van Dyke jumps in the portal or a Ty Thompson. No, Ty, that's not who they're going to bank it on. They're going to bank it on a guy that they've seen it with before. Um, Jay Kaner gets a red shirt, there's medical no red shirt, way he has, transfers to Tennessee. Can he transfer again without sitting? See, that's the other problem because he already tried that he one. Get a, he get away with him. No, I don't know that, that. He wanted to go back to Washington. That's what happened. He can transfer as a graduate. He can transfer. Are, he can be I a graduate. He, I think he tried yeah, he to do can. that and they said no. I don't think you can. I don't think he can do that. And then Michael I, Penix, and then Michael Penix went to Washington and Toronto. And Hayner's going to come back this season anyway, so it's it's a move. How many um, years does Austin Ani have left at North Texas? Enough, enough. But so he I, one left. I think that's the more likely route. Either that, I, I I think it's hard to give the job to Taven Jackson. I think there's a lot of things that are very difficult for this coaching staff because if it's true that they gave Nico eight million dollars, not they, somebody Dev Booster, somebody associated with them. You can't risk Taven Jackson being really good and Nico has to leave and or the bad press that comes with benching the kid that was really, really good that's only in a second. Like they're, they're, the, the scenario that has to play out in front of him has to either be you give it to Nico basically within the first three games or you bring in a, a good transfer quarterback that has one year left and then he's going to be gone and you tell Nico he's going to sit a year and then he takes it. There's no other options here because they make the staff or the program look bad if something happens. Yeah. It's a super delicate situation because the future of the program's Nico, right? Like that's, I don't think that's debatable or at least that's the plan that remains to be seen if it works out. But um, I think by all accounts, him starting right away is, is probably not necessarily a good thing, right? Like he's a raw prospect. Uh, people smarter than me at watching high school film, including you guys have, have said as much. Um, so, and especially considering like how freshmen typically look when you send them out on day one, it's probably not a good idea for a team that has top 10 aspirations. Um, but they don't want to bring in someone who's more than like a, a one year rental or even like a six week rental. Um, so I, I actually pulled up their schedule. They play Virginia, they play Austin P, and then they play Florida next year, first three weeks. If they throw out Joe Milton, they win those first two games. They lose that third game. Fourth week, they have UTSA. They throw out Nico, something like that. Or they bring in a guy for the whole year. Um, but I agree on Taven Jackson. Like If they put him out there and, and he's good, they're in like a really bad situation there. Um, because Which is Nico's, hilarious. Yeah, it would be it would be really funny. This, kid, this kid's too good to keep the other good kid off the field, and now we're screwed. It's a great exactly game. like they'd be setting themselves up for so much. I I don't even know. Like like I don't know what the legal ramifications would be with the NIL money going around, but I just think that's something they have to avoid. I wouldn't be surprised if if Taven Jackson even transferred out this year because I, I I have to imagine he'd have to see something like that coming too. Um, but. It's tough because they want to be good, but they don't want to be good because of their quarterback. Matt I, and Austin, I know you all have watched um, Nico Iamalieva more than yeah. more than I have. However, when I've watched him, his calling card is like 
being able to throw the ball accurately from the pocket, but specifically like outside the numbers, which is what this offense is going to ask, uh, what the Hypel offense is going to ask Nico to do. Joe Mil- We saw Joe Milton last year at Tennessee. We saw him at Michigan. That is, that is not, that's not his game. And it's, it seems like Nico is like perfectly tailored. Watch Hendenker uh, this weekend. Now think about Nico Malay. I'm like, that's that's just a younger version of Hendon Hooker. Matt Austin. I mean, am I wrong here that his game is tailor made this offense? It is. He's he's the perfect fit. It's it's why we are I think afraid to lower him deep in our rankings because we feel like he's going to succeed at the CFF side. And I think you also have to factor in like on three 24 seven sports rivals ESPN. These guys do this for a living. They all have him up there for a reason. They are able to see things that we're not like as someone who watches a lot of these, these games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, we can't even find live games of, of Warren high school. Like it's hard to get those games. I will say David uh, at solving football, one of the, brightest minds we have here at campus to can has actually watched some of his stuff and said he looks better this year than what we saw out of his junior film which is why i actually think he starts week one and i'm going Ooh. to use quinn ewers as the example here felix was very against all oh, he's not gonna star because hudson card veteran deference blah 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 all that other crap nelly just gave the schedule right virginia austin p then they get a massive game against florida I think they just put him out there and see what we've got and let the kid go get it. Because we all just talked about Joe Milton's not it. So if we already know Joe Milton's not it, why are you throwing him out there for a couple games until you lose? And then throwing Nico out there when he's going to have to, in a couple weeks after getting UTSA, play Alabama and Texas A&M. Why not get him out there earlier in the schedule, get him a couple good games underneath? Excuse me, no offense to to Moxley here, but South Carolina in between there. Like, Defense taken. Get him some games that he could possibly win against good competition, like a Florida, like a South Carolina. Get him prepared. He's not going to win against Alabama and Texas A&M, but get him prepared for those really tough defenses. I think he's start. I, we typically don't see freshmen start, so that's kind of where I'm I'm hesitant to say that. But I just I don't think they throw Milton out there. I think we'll know if he has a chance to go that route if he early enrolls. And for be. a lot, a lot, he is for sure. Yeah, I read a report that there's he's no, there's no chance of eight million dollar kid. Is it? Yeah, he's early he's enrolling. In yeah, games. really. He will be in. He will be on campus he's, January one. He, you guys say that, but he like thinks he's that he also could be player. an Olympic volleyball player, and that's in yeah. the spring. So I'm not as sure about it as you guys are. And first off, so I actually, I, I mean, I've I've played volleyball. Like I, I know volleyball. I've watched his volleyball stuff, and he is not on that level either. Um. <laughs> So for whatever, Ted McMillan was a much better volleyball player than 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 David Jacks or than uh, than, than Nico Vol- is. Volleyball debate, um, let's go. But like, I, I think it's a it's a genuine question. Like, he was supposed to go to Elite Eleven and then he just quit at the last minute because he had volleyball. Like, I'm not taking anything he says right now at, at value. And I think if he doesn't early enroll, there's zero way that you can walk a true freshman out there that's as raw as he is. Again, even if it's against the five of us, like I don't think you can do that. So, so here's here's the question that I have on Nico. Does he have the best arm talent in the class? Because then the answer is yes, right? Like his it's arm is close, pretty spectacular. I, he throws with nice touch. 
Would yeah. I say he's the most talented arm? No, I wouldn't say no. he's the most talented arm, but he's got. I would say Malachi's one of the strongest. A, yeah, Malachi's better arm talent. One of the strongest. Yeah. My my thing is like I think he he fires a lot of fastballs in there too, which he doesn't have to. But I guess you could say there've been a lot of freshman quarterbacks who don't understand that part of the game. Yeah. My thing with with that with what Austin just said goes back to what we were been criticizing Hendon Hooker for. Like I get that he's a raw prospect, but this is a one read offense, and he already knows where he's going to throw the ball why does it matter if he already knows where he's going to have to go with the ball? Because Josh Heupel's telling him in his ear, a la Sean McVay to Jared Goff. It really shouldn't matter if, if, if he's raw, because he knows where he's going with the ball. There we go. Okay. Um, I wow, think Mattis, it's interesting. Oh, I thought Matt just like Mike dropped us. He's disappeared. Yeah, Mike now. dropped us and, and jumped out of the, out of the chat here. Um, I think it's interesting just juxtaposition between Alabama and Tennessee because Tennessee is very much on the rise. And I wonder what Alabama is going to look like post Bryce Young. We've had Mac Jones, Tua Bialoa, now Bryce Young. The passers that could potentially take the reins after Bryce Young leaves are not on that level. Not only that, they don't have Steve Sarkeesian anymore. It's Bill O'Brien, and quite frankly, Bill O'Brien might leave for a head coaching job after this season. But you've got. Damn, I hope um, so. Yeah, I'm about to say that's probably a good thing. Oh, Rambo really wants <laughs> yeah. Bill O'Brien to take a new job. <laughs> but you've got Jalen Milrow, you've got Ty Simpson, and you've got Eli Holstein. Holstein's probably not in the in the. Uh, Dylan Lonner going to be well, a freshman yeah. next year. Wait, is Holstein committed? Yeah, so is Dylan Lonergan. Yeah, um, no, there's Dylan, two in this class. Dylan Lonergan, two. the baseball guy, too, as well. Yeah, he's committed okay. as well. Well, you got to think it's going to be between Simpson and Milrow for the starting job. And either one of those guys are the passers that the, the three predecessors had been. Nelly, do you think that you would want to be attached to Tennessee for the next three years or Alabama, considering, you know, what Heupel's offense is going to be and what they project to have with Nico Iamalieva versus what you have there at Alabama and Alabama. I think that Alabama is going to be good, but they might be a team that wins games the way Georgia does the way Michigan does, where it's not this explosive offense that we've seen with Steve Sarkeesian, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, those types of players, Jameson Williams running all over the field. Those days might be done at Alabama, but we might just be seeing the beginning of them at Tennessee. Man, I would love to say Tennessee, right? It would be awesome for there to be a changing of the guard, a new like new powerhouses, some of the stronger teams fading. But Nick Saban's still there. Alabama's still Alabama. They're still bringing in top three classes every year, right? Like one of these four quarterbacks is going to be good in some capacity. Um, Jalen Milrow kind of provides a floor because he has that athletic ability. Ty Simpson can run around too, uh, but he was a a, a five star. Uh, some services had him as their as their number one quarterback. We haven't really seen him, and the fact that they're bringing in two quarterbacks is uh, maybe a little bit worrying that they don't really trust Ty Simpson as well. Um, but I, I just think. I think it'd be silly to bet against Bama, like in just just about not, any situation. Let me clarify. I'm not betting against them. What I'm saying is we've seen elite passing offenses from them. We've seen them be able to throw the ball 350, 400-yard game. I don't see that between Milrow, Simpson, and whoever the freshmen are. I don't see that continuing to be the case. 
but they'll also be throwing to like five stars, high four stars as well. And they're bringing in four or five guys every year. Who's who's Nico Iamaliyeva going to be throwing the ball to next year? Like I couldn't name a single person. Um, and so I think that factors into it too. Like even if Nico is the best quarterback out of this group, which he, he likely is just based on pedigree, it, the situation is set up so well for whoever the best of the Alabama quarterbacks is to, to succeed there. To, to kind of amplify Nelly's point and why I'm a hundred percent with him on taking Alabama, even though I know that Tennessee's offense could be great. Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, as he just mentioned, both bring you a rushing floor. Nick Saban has shown us throughout the past three to four offensive coordinators he has, he will adapt to whatever he needs and he will bring in someone that will to shape the offense the way it needs to be shaped. Whether Bill O'Brien leaves and they bring in somebody else, they'll still be a very good offensive coordinator that will work that system the way it needs to be. It will not be a defensive run team. We have not seen him have a defensive-led team here for quite a while. Nick Saban understands the college landscape right now. That's why I think what Georgia did last year was so special, winning with their defense, and, and they're not necessarily doing that this year. They'll be fine. Like, I would much rather bet on Nick Saban and him figuring that out with what Nelly said, the, the top-end quarterbacks. You got five-star five after five-star after five-star running backs, wide receivers coming in. Like, they're going to be fine. That's. I think you guys are arguing against a point that I'm not making. But I'm saying yes. We would have, rather have the Alabama offense. That's what we're saying. We'd rather bet on them than the Tennessee guys. Okay. That's what. That's what and I'm. I saying. guess what I'm saying is I think that when you are a prolific, a prolific passing offense, that's a monster that feeds itself. It it attracts other quarterbacks to come in and play in that system. It attracts wide receivers. It attracts running backs. And if that is going to stop, I'm just saying there is the potential that we see a changing of the guard if Alabama is not going to be this elite offensive unit or if it's an offensive unit that, yeah, they're going to win games, or, but they're going to win games like running for 300 yards and throwing for 200 yards. That It's going to be high school kids that say, oh, you know what? I'm going to go to Tennessee where I can have a, bu- a buck 50 and two touchdowns in a game. That's all. I'm, that's I can think I, that there's the potential for that. Can I answer your question with another question? which I know is not what you're supposed to do. Is Nick Saban still at Alabama? Because if that's the case, those top-end players are still going to Alabama. There, I doubt there's going to be a kid that picks Tennessee because they're going to pass for 500 yards over Alabama. Because Alabama's going to put them in the NFL draft, likely in the first round. We've, we've seen college dynasties in the past. And I guess what I'm trying to re- do is read the tea leaves for when one might be done. I don't You've think Nick Saban wants to run a hype like a, a, a no. 450 yard passing offense moving forward. I think he actually wants to run more dual threat type concepts, RPO heavy type scheme, based on the quarterbacks that he's brought in and based on the quarterbacks that they're looking at for the next couple of years. The both the quarterbacks they're bringing in this year pretty darn mobile. Um, uh, we already talked about Milrow and. Uh, Simpson being there. And then the guy that they're probably going to get in the class after that, at least right now is Michael Van Buren, who's also uh, a, a, a dual threat kid. So I think, I don't think that he wants to pass the ball like that. I think he sees the future of college football offenses as these, your quarterback throws for 200 and runs for another 90 to 130 yards. Like I think that's what he wants. Okay. 
And I'll ask the question again. What do you think the effect of that type of system is going to be on recruiting? Nothing. Other quarterbacks. Nothing. Wide nothing. Yeah. Okay. nothing. That's what we've been saying. He's still getting him. Is he not? That's not what Jalen Hurts did. Are we not wrong there? Jalen Hurts, was he passing even for 200 yards a game when he was the quarterback at Alabama? Did they not land a Bryce Young and Mac Jones? Did they not just land, um, as you just mentioned, Eli Holstein and Dylan Lonergan before these offenses were prolific? He's still going to get the guys. And he's going to continue to get them. Which top programs right now would you classify as like pass heavy, rely on the quarterback? But the this, quarterback I mean, Ohio pro, State, pro, pro. Ohio State, and USC. Ohio State, USC. Uh, no, like, and they got. Around. I would add. I wouldn't call Caleb. Caleb's a dual threat. I wouldn't call him yeah. pure pocket. But I think, well, even if you just use the Lincoln Riley, for me, it would be if you're looking at three coaches that I would put up in there, it would be Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, and Steve Sarkeesian. Well, guess what? They've landed three of the top quarterback recruits over the past couple of years. You got Malachi going to USC, Arch going to Texas, and in 24, you have Dylan Rayola going to Ohio State. So if they can't go there, I don't think a top guy is going to be like, hey, I'm going to go to Tennessee because I can throw for 500 yards a game. I, I really don't think that matters that much to these kids. They want to probably get paid and they want to go to the NFL. That's what they care about. We we you have a lot of Ty Simpson guys and none of them are going to Alabama. Ty, I just have a lot of Ty, Ty Simpson slander guys. going yes. on here. Ty Simpson, five-star quarterback going to Alabama and the slander, please. This, this dude can, I think he can throw, I think he can pass and you want to tie the Tennessee Alabama story together. Alabama quarterback Ty Simpson. His dad is coach at UT Martin. Who does Tennessee play this week? UT Martin. Fun, fun little story. But no, it did, I mean, Alabama's going to get any five-star quarterback they want. I mean, like, it is what it is, right? Like, even when you move on from Saban, whoever takes that job, and I am sure that is going to be the most capable person given – the expectations there. Like, are they really going to drop off that far in, in quarterback recruiting? Probably not. I, I just don't think Tennessee has that same upside. And yeah, we got the McDonald's bags and, and everything for the Vols, but I mean... Why? Why? Because they haven't had the same upside in the past. That's like what I'm saying here is... Like, well, it's not attracting It's our job kids. to project. It's not attracting kids this year, really. It's like, not next they, year either. They haven't There's... really gotten any skill kids in this year's class. They were really trying hard to get yeah. Carnell Tate, who's from down that direction he declined and they keep trying to come you know come back for a visit and he keeps telling them no like oh, yeah I, is cam selden going there yeah he's or he i believe he's currently committed there but he's an athlete we and don't he's even more know of a running back like they, yeah, yeah they don't have a big wide uh, like a, a big wide receiver name in this someone class. else but i can't it's not a big wide receiver name they have one guy that we have i believe in like tier three that's going there if i'm remembering correctly but it's and not got, like a high-end guy and they don't have anybody in in 24 that i can yeah. think of either so like they have Caleb Webb in this class. Who Maybe that's who it was. Kay, Kay, no. oh, I mean Caleb Webb's a twenty twenty-two kid. Two kid, yeah. I mean, I I liked him, but I mean, services were lower on him than we were. I I think. So I mean, who they aren't attracting? Nate Nathan. Okay, it is Leacock. I was Nathan Leacock. So I mean, they aren't attracting big name talent, regardless. Like what what's changing at Tennessee? Uh, that. Like, Alabama already doesn't have like Tuscaloosa's got they have football money yeah basically we got oil money in ten Texas we got cyber money in Miami I mean what does Tennessee have 
He's got like McDonald's. To be honest, that's it. I'm not going to pay for his field goal post. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think apparently yeah. so. Tennessee is going to go out here and beat Alabama and beat Georgia. And if they do that for a second consecutive year, beat one of those programs. I think that you could see the tide turn, especially if they continue to have success offensively next year. That's going to, you will see more five star kids say, Oh, I want to go play for that offense, especially if they're going to get paid the same, whether they go to Alabama or Tennessee. That's all I'm saying. Um, is there anything else that we need to talk about tonight? Nelly, do you got anything? Okay. Um, what? Go ahead. Uh, well, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm flipping through all the, the arguments I remember with Matt on Twitter over the past few months. Um, I'm just trying to think of my favorite one. We, I mean, we could talk about the Penn State situation. Did you guys talk about that yet? Whether they should start Drew Lahr? Or you know not? what? I mean, speak, he's go, apparently let's... going to start this week, anyways. Oh, it's announced that. Oh, it's so it out. Doesn't matter. He, they, I know. Last report I saw this morning. Well, it was from a podcast I listened to this morning. So far, Drew Aller's been taking all the first team reps. I don't think Ooh. Clifford's coming back. I mean, I, I get what you guys are saying, and maybe I am viewing this from. So the argument for those of you who don't know what what Nelly's talking about, we talked about on Twitter. Should Penn State turn to, to Drew Alar now that they've already lost to Michigan? And let's just be honest, they weren't even in that game. That that was not a game at all. They were blown out from the minute go. The whistle started. It was over. Their upside, in my opinion, is capped with Sean Clifford at quarterback. And I'm not saying that Drew Aller this year could be better than Sean Clifford, but I think you've got to get him out there and see what you have in him. Because if you want to beat a Michigan, you want to beat an Ohio State, you need to have a quarterback like Drew Aller. Sean Clifford cannot do that. I understand he's beaten Ohio State before. He's not doing it now. And then the argument you got, do you want to give the argument back that you and you and Shane had kind of given? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and, and the argument isn't even really an argument. It's like everything you just said is correct, like absolutely 100%. Like this team has a ceiling. They can't compete for a championship. They can't even compete for a Big Ten championship with him. But he's a four-year starting quarterback for Penn State. He's He's been there six years now. Um, like it's just one of those things where he's been this guy in the locker room for so long. He's your quarterback, and – it's just kind of you don't bench that type of guy like at the end of his career. It's just like one of those things is like as a team dynamic that that just doesn't really happen. So my and as much as I dislike this coach, Dabo did it with Brian. And I'm not saying Drew Aller is like Trevor Lawrence. He's not been like rated that way. But like sometimes you just got to do it. And I do agree with what you're saying. That's what kind of what we were talking about back and forth. You, me, Shane. He just went nine for it. He just went like nine for 19 or six for 19. Right. Well, I used your argument. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you argued that on college fantasy tonight that he went nine for whatever, 16 for like 150 yards. I was like, and you mentioned Drew Waller could go do that just as easily. And you're right. And I get what, what Nelly and, and Shane are saying. Like, it's not easy for him to come in again. Sean Clifford has been there. He has won them big games in the past. So it's probably not easy for James Franklin to just walk into the locker room and say, hey, bud, sit down. Maybe that's why he's injured now and Drew Alar is going to start. Because I just – you've got to put this kid out there and see what you have in him because the ceiling is just higher at this point. And they're not technically out of it, even though I kind of think they are out of it. You've got to get this kid out there, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. I, like I said, there's not been confirmed that he's going to start. Last I heard, he has taken all of the first-team reps. I would personally love to see him get out there and, and play because I just think he's better, and I think this offense will thrive more with him out at quarterback, even being a true freshman and a little bit of a project. 
I, don't I would think, love to see it too. I don't, Just to know, be clear, I think it'd be awesome. James Franklin's not going to lose that locker room with whichever decision he makes. But I do think for anybody who's played sports at any sort of decent level and knows what being in a locker room is, I think to say that that Sean Clifford should get the benefit of the doubt because he's been there for so long, the dudes in that locker room know. They at do some not point care. they want like, they, they want the best player to play. Yeah, like they know at some point like that the coach is not playing the best guy. Well, and I think I, that's actually worse for morale than man, you see what they did to Sean? Shit, that could happen to any of us. Like I think that's less likely than like I've played on teams where the coach hasn't been playing the best player. Like, you know, it's a senior, this the freshman or sophomore is better, and it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, but in fairness to what uh, what I think Nelly and Shane were saying is like we've seen James Franklin do that though. Like he's never been willing. Like even, we don't know. Like Felix talked about he you know he wanted to see Christian Value possibly see what he would like. We've never even been given that chance. It's been Sean Clifford or bust. Doesn't matter if Sean Clifford's arms falling off. Sean Clifford's going out there and he's our starting quarterback. So like Franklin's shown us realistically over Sean Clifford's career that he's not willing to pull him, which is where I, I got the argument that they were they were coming back with. I just think it's time to finally do that, and we'll see if he actually And, and that's why the coaches will step in into the training room and say, oh, yeah, he's he's, yeah, that's uh, what he's not in, looking he's, good. He's, he's not injured. looking yeah, good. Yeah. Nelly, I will we say, are going to cl- – go ahead. Just real quick, Matt brought up the Trevor Lawrence example with with uh, Bryant at Clemson. I, when when Trevor Lawrence was getting opportunities in in garbage time, and he was like blowing it out of the water, and you're like, all right, like this is just a matter of time. Whereas Drew Lar, we know he's talented, right? He's a five star guy, all the talent in the world. But when he's gotten his opportunity, he has not been like like head and shoulders above Sean Clifford. Like I'm not sure if you put him out there right this second that he gives you a better chance to win than Sean Clifford does. Like down in the future, absolutely. But right this second, I I, I think that is is unclear. Nelly, I hate to do this to you, okay? We're gonna close the show with a segment we like to call "Explain Yourself," okay? Uh, let's see, April twenty third, two thousand twenty two. Does the date mean anything to you? <laughs> at, at the analytics. On Twitter tweets, and I'm right here with you, or at least I was. Anthony Richardson is a better Debbie asset than Quinn Ewers with the information we currently have. Michael Nelson, explain yourself. Um, well, at the moment, right, we had zero sample of Quinn Ewers. Um, we also had a tiny sample of Anthony Richardson. Um, at that moment, and and you have to understand this. This goes to my game theory uh, kind of perspective. Nelly, of double down. Win. Listen, this is what you shout into the microphone. Your take. You double down. You tell everybody else to f off, and that you were right. That's how you do it. Say it with well, your chest. I, I, That's how no. I, I mean, I, I was right there based on the information available. Um, I would say that I wouldn't go as far as to saying I'm I'm going to be wrong for sure at this point because I think the sample size we have for Quinn Ewers is pretty small. Um, and I've watched him play and while he's made some really nice throws, he's also made some like head scratcher throws. He's missed a lot of wide open throws. Um, so I don't think he's a perfect prospect at this point either, but Anthony Richardson has, has disappointed. That being said, as bad as he's been, he's still getting first round buzz for this year, which is absolutely nuts. Right. And if he goes in the first round, he's getting better every week. Yeah. Like, and if he, if he's a first round quarterback in the NFL, I, I, like 
he's a 101 in fantasy drafts, right? Like, because he's going to rush for, like, he's going to run the ball over 10 times a game. He's going to have fantasy-breaking upside if he puts together, if he if he brings the arm talent together. Chris for Moxley those of you not watching, Joe Dirt I'm with you. I'm with Joe you. Joe Dirt wig. I'm um, with you, Mox. Our king. The prince that was promised. Mox is the re- <laughs> prop king. The slander. Austin, uh, Matthew. Coming to you, the prince. You all... You all were on the Quint Ewers, uh, were trained from the get go. Oh, we're still on that just train, gonna... baby. Look, I, I get the we're just loading up coal, man. I get don't let me be right love... about something that y'all got wrong because I'm I, not I be get the love for Anthony microphone. Richardson, he's a fun player to watch. But the day Anthony Richardson makes any kind of throw that Quinn can make, I'll say that you guys have some chance of being right, but I just don't see it. Um, I I get what what Nelly's saying, and he's missed some players wide open, and he's made some bad throws. He's he's in all honesty a true freshman out there, and he already looks better passing the ball than Anthony Richardson. What I care about going into the NFL is you have to be a good passer. I think the NFL has shown us it doesn't matter anymore. Like I, I he's not going to listen to this, so it doesn't matter. Alfred loves himself some rushing quarterbacks because it's all that matters in fantasy and they get him a ton of points. I don't think that necessarily matters anymore going into the NFL. I've talked about it on here. You really go in and dive deep into these high-scoring NFL quarterbacks for fantasy purposes. It's typically six of them get more than 300 yards a year, and then the rest of them are less than that. And you've got the, the outliers of like Lamar, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray who get a lot more than that, but – Top six are usually only getting 300 rushing yards. Is Quinn going to get you 300 rushing yards? Maybe, maybe not. Is he any less athletic than Joe Burrow? No, Joe Burrow has been averaging close to 280 to 300 rushing yards. Does he have a better arm talent than Joe Burrow? Absolutely. So I think that he, in my opinion, is by far the better and safer prospect to bet on because while Anthony Richardson's getting first-round draft capital buzz, Quinn Ewers has that perfect rating next to him. He's going to have Steve Sarkeesian, who we've shown put Jake Locker and Cody Kessler into the NFL with good draft buzz, Mac Jones, Tuatunga of Iowa. Quinn Ewers, if he continues to play well there, and again, continue to support our King Mox, the prince that was promised. If he continues to play well there with Sark, he has the Texas Texas logo next to his helmet, the perfect rating, the fact that he is the prince that was promised and the golden child, I guarantee you he's going to be a top three pick in 2024 outside of some bad injury. So give me Quinn all day long over Anthony Richardson. I think it's better draft capital. I take him in fantasy moving forward because I just, small sample size, I get it. But Anthony Richardson, while he's gotten better every week, according to Felix, still has not shown me anything compared to like actually being a decent competent passer outside of a couple throws here and there. It's comparing apples and oranges. They're like, they're not even the same stylistically. You're saying he's a better thrower. We knew that coming into the season. We knew that. But that's what matters. When you go into the NFL, you have to be a passer. You cannot, okay. you can't say, or I guess you can't say you, cause you can, cause you are saying it. Everybody's hoping he's going to be Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen. Those guys are are unicorns. We've seen far more quarterbacks that cannot pass the ball and are just these really dangerous threats rushing the ball go into the NFL and flame out compared to actually succeed. Not in the first round. How much worse is Anthony Richardson than KJ Jefferson? (laughs) Whoa. I love KJ Jefferson, so that's not the insult that you think it is. I'm just saying, like, they are (laughs) – they are not that far off. I want to thank Austin for uh, joining us today while he is uh, also simultaneously working. 
probably on some tax documents or something like that. Um, make sure you check out the website at campus2canton.com. You mentioned the jersey giveaway. I'm not going to go through the spiel again. If you want to check out the specific requirements that you didn't capture uh, today on the show, you can check out the video that Matt and I posted on um, Monday. On Monday or Sunday? On Monday. Monday. On Monday on the YouTube on the YouTube channel. And we're going to be talking about it for the next three weeks because we're going to be giving away these jerseys. And so if you don't win next week, you'll have an opportunity to win the following week and the week there after, but that is going to be it for us tonight. Um, apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon for Michael Nelson, Austin Ace, Chris Moxley, and Matt Bruning. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. For the freshman. Up Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.